Welcome to Becoming Unstoppable, the podcast, hosted by me, Allison Chapeau, licensed therapist, international speaker, and empowerment coach. Becoming Unstoppable, the podcast, is a space for real-life conversations on life, love, mental health, and wellness. It's a space to go beyond traditional conversations on these topics, to go deep, and to share stories about actual lived experiences, and to share tips, tools, and ideas on how you, too, can live an unstoppable life. So I am very excited for today. I think this topic is super duper important. And I have registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor, Jen Baswick, with us today. So I have tons of questions that I want to ask you. But first, I always like to start with just, you know, share a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What brings you to this space? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. I'm excited to be here as well. I love talking about this stuff. And I think it's so important that we all take a look at our relationship with food because it really impacts just how we show up every single day and how we feel every day. But a little bit about me, I live in Toronto, Ontario, and I have been running my business, The Intuitive Nutritionist, for over four years now, which is every time it's like growing and and been a little longer, I'm like, wow, that's kind of crazy to say. But it's awesome and so fulfilling. And what I do now is really support folks in fostering a really positive relationship with food, letting go of all the struggles with food, whether that's like chronic dieting, feeling really out of control around food, binge eating, overeating, emotional eating, all those things. And the reason really that I do this is because I also struggled with those things for years and years and years. And I know how crummy it can feel to be bogged down by all of those issues with food and how much it really just takes over your life and your brain space and doesn't allow you to live fully. Like it was, you know, when I was struggling with food, I was thinking about food all the time. It kind of took over. So yeah, really today, helping folks overcome that in a way that feels more connected and authentic. Like I always like to say to people, I'm helping you embody your version of food freedom because I think we're all unique and we all have unique journeys. So that's what I'm really passionate about is helping folks come to whatever version of food freedom feels best and most authentic to them and really being able to then live life more and be more of their authentic selves. You know, that that's really beautiful. And, you know, something that I have sort of witnessed inside of the field of, you know, mental health, empowerment, all of that good stuff is so many people, their story originates with really their own struggles, right? What brings them to, you know, I'm an anxiety mm-hmm. specialist. It's, you know, it was really birthed in my own struggles with anxiety. And I think that that, you know, really can help the conversation because it, you know what it you know what it's like to be there, right? Like that's the true essence of of empathy. Um, so a question that I had that I've that I've been thinking about quite a lot actually is you know we hear all these kind of like buzzwords, right? So you hear like keto, paleo, intermittent fasting, right? And then among them we hear intuitive eating. And I was wondering, especially from your you know expert opinion here, like what makes intuitive eating different? And maybe could you share a little bit about like what that looks like? What does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like amongst the examples that you threw out there in terms of buzzwords, intuitive eating is like the stark yeah. opposite sure. of those other things. So I think, you know, I'll share like what intuitive eating is and what makes it different. So intuitive eating really, which is 
interesting for people to hear. It was something that's been developed since 1995. Like it's been around for a long time. And this whole framework of intuitive eating was developed by two registered dietitians. And really what they were noticing with the mainstream kind of nutrition advice they were giving their clients, that their clients were just still stuck. Like they were, you know, weight cycling or yo-yo dieting in these ways, but they were trying to incorporate eating in whatever way we thought we should at that time. And they're like, you know what, this doesn't work. People are still feeling funky towards food and all these different ways. And they came up with this whole idea of intuitive eating. And the premise of it is that it's a self-care based eating framework that's really removing all of the shoulds and the rules that we've learned about food over the years and coming back to your own internal innate wisdom that can help guide your eating decisions. So instead of say, you know, with intermittent fasting, that's more time-based, right? Instead of using, oh, I can only eat from this time to this time, no, we're going to let go of those rules and we're going to say, when is my body telling me that I'm hungry? And I think, you know, one thing that is important to note when I note that, when is my body telling me that I'm hungry? If you have been doing the different diets or fad things for years and years, you probably won't be feeling your hunger cues much right now. <laughs> like It does take some work to get those hunger and fullness cues back, but really that's the idea is to get back to that innate wisdom to guide your eating choices instead of following all these shoulds and rules that was made up by someone else that probably doesn't work for you and your unique body, right? Like how can we use your intuition, what your body needs and feedback from it to eat in a way that makes you feel your best physically, mentally, emotionally without putting all this like, oh, I wasn't able to, I don't know, eat keto today. Like I fell off the wagon with keto and now I'm a failure and I'm bad. I need to get back on track. And it's just that constant loop-de-loop of shame-based you know, approaches to eating, which inevitably don't work or restrictive ones, right? We're not eating enough because a lot of the diets or nutrition advice out there is trying to make people eat less than what their body actually needs. So this is really intuitive eating is really just a way of taking care of your body, but not just thinking about like, what am I eating? How am I exercising? It's more so how can I care for myself, incorporating all elements of my wellness, not just physical, but also mental and emotional and really finding this nice, authentic, cohesive space where we're working with our body instead of against it. Oh my God, I just got like little chills when you said all that. <laughs> I, I love that framework, right? It's it's really a framework of self-love. And, you know, some of the work that I do, um, which, you know, has nothing to do with eating really does talk about just how powerful shame is, right? When we add in shame or guilt or all of these like extra emotions, it almost gives us this impasse, right? And, and I see it in all sorts of ways, but, you know, I, I actually gave up drinking and, and something that um, kept coming up is when people were like, hey, you had a drink, so you have to start all over again. That was really demotivating for me, right? I'd get like lost in that shame. And I do think that, you know, if I can look back at my own sort of eating history, um, you know, yeah, when I followed any one of those quote unquote diet plans, like, first of all, I think made me feel like garbage. Um, and emotionally it was wrecking havoc over my brain. Um, so something I was thinking about is, you know, I hear a lot, you know, I just heard it from you and I think it's really important. And, and I hear it a lot on, on Instagram and, and with influencers is like finding freedom in food. And, you know, 
what the emotional component is, right? And I think that like food does have an emotional component. And so I was wondering if you can speak to maybe some of the reasons that might be coming up for someone, like if, if someone's working through their freedom, what what might be they finding freedom from? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it anxiety? Maybe a mix of all. And mm, with clients. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so many emotions are entangled <laughs> in our relationship with food. And I think it, it is like a big puzzle, honestly. And if you think about it this way, and this is how I always love to put this kind of work into perspective, just like we want our mindset towards ourselves to be something that's really solid because we're with ourselves all the time, every day. We eat food multiple times every single day. Like we're, we're always also with food, like having a positive relationship with food impacts really like all of your days. So something that yeah. emotionally a lot of my clients struggle with, my past self included, is really like all of the above, shame, guilt, anxiety, all of them show up in a little bit of a different way. I would also say there is oftentimes an element of like perfectionism in there too. But with the shame and guilt, those really come from this disconnect between trying to maybe follow the shoulds right? That we're told like, well, we should eat like this. You should eat these foods, but not these foods. And you shouldn't eat past this time. And all of these rules that are swirling around out there, we have this idea or these beliefs, whether they're true or not, right? That are kind of floating around in our minds and our subconscious about food. And if we aren't measuring up to those rules that we're holding in our, our minds about food, then we think that we've done something wrong. And then that's something to be shameful about. Mm -hmm. That's something to feel guilty about. And especially with food, there's a lot of like guilt talk like, oh, enjoy this this healthy food guilt-free or whatever. Like there's so much talk wrapped up in food with guilt too. So of course, eating things that go against the beliefs of the shoulds, again, whether they're true or not, because they're not probably true. If we're going against that belief that we have, we're going to feel guilty, of course. And we might go into that shame spiral. And then that looks like, you know what, I'm so bad because I ate that unhealthy food or I had too much of that unhealthy food. And you know what, now I'm a failure and I got to get myself together. And it's just this whole shame spiral. And I call that <laughs> spiral or loop-de-loop -loop, the diet binge cycle where we're feeling really motivated mm -hmm. to eat clean or diet or whatever the should is. And then we try that in attempt to maybe change our body, maybe just change our eating habits, whatever it is. And then we're feeling deprived. So our body's like, ah, we're feeling deprived. And then you go into more of the overeating, binging and going, falling off the wagon as people call it <laughs> in nutrition world. And then yeah. you're feeling guilt and then you're feeling shame. And then the cycle starts again and again and again. And that can happen over the course of months. That could happen over the course of a day, right? Like if we think about like in the afternoon or in the evening is typically a time where people might overeat or binge eat. And then they're like, oh, tomorrow, like I'll do better tomorrow. And all of this just instills more of that shame and guilt towards food. And it's like a self-perpetuating cycle, really. My God, it's so true, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I was just thinking the other day, I got into a bit of an argument with my mother. <clears throat> and so I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, right? I'm like 81 girl. So mm -hmm. I was like in the, the heyday of the Weight Watchers movement. And it was like, oh, yeah. I, I was like 13, right? And like my friends 
my friends' mothers, we all went as like a group, right? We're preteens and we'd go to Weight Watchers. So this is like the framework in which I grew up in. And present day, you know, many years later, I was chatting with my mom and she called me and she was like, Allison, you would be so proud of me. I ate so well today. I was so good. And I had a phenomenal appreciation in that moment, just how much work I've done. And I actually stopped and I was like, you know, mom, I don't want to minimize, right? Obviously you are proud of this moment and I don't want to minimize that. But the moments I'm really proud of you aren't the days that you skipped eating a donut, right? Like that's not when we're saying like, I am good, right? Or like, oh, I'm so bad today, right? Like there really isn't a moral value attached to food. No. And I was trying to think about just like all of the language that we hear that maybe isn't overtly diet culture. It's like more a subtle attack, right? So, you know, things I can remember hearing as I was growing up, right? Oh, calories don't count on your birthday. Like, let's be naughty today. You know, yay, I'm so proud I ate healthy, right? And I think that that really like sets the tone for those, um, like you said, those subconscious patterns that those thoughts, that narrative that really isn't true or helpful, but it's just so ingrained that it isn't even obvious that we're seeing something self-deprecating or, you know, really against our own health, right? Because if she's good today because she ate a salad, what happens when she picks the burger, right? It's like you're left feeling a bigger thing than, oh, I just ate a burger, which is pretty, you know, <laughs> it's pretty neutral, right? It's it's a bigger concept and like a bigger feeling around, you can almost internalize it, like I'm bad. And that's, cool. yeah. you know, changing all that narrative is like super hard. Oh, 100%. And, and you're so right on that. These things are super subtle. And yes, they may potentially come from diet culture, but even if we're not, say, actively dieting or in one of those fads or whatever, we can still have that language popping up all the time. And I think those are very clear and big examples that I see in a lot of my clients too, of calling it good or bad. And then the ones that get a little more sneaky are like healthy or unhealthy, right? Like whatever labels we're putting on food, it's going to cause this dichotomy if we're, we're going on the bad side, whether we're calling it bad or unhealthy or junk food or whatever the label is then yeah, we're going to feel kind of icky about eating those foods because we're giving it this negative connotation. And then whether you consciously realize it or not, you're going to feel bad because you're having the quote unquote bad foods. So that's something that I love to work with my clients on is shifting that mindset towards food and really making food more neutral because food is truly just food. It's all made up of the same chemical composition, just in different amounts, right? And nothing needs to be bad. It just might have a different nutrient profile, right? And some words that I love to replace that maybe some of the listeners can take away and play with is calling some foods more nutrient dense. So maybe those are the quote unquote healthy foods, right? And then other foods maybe are just more fun foods or just changing your mindset to see, okay, maybe I'm not getting like a lot of nutrients out of this food, but it is bringing me joy. It is bringing me pleasure. It is bringing me satisfaction or nostalgia or whatever it is. And seeing the positive qualities in food, no matter what food it is, can really shift your mindset towards it because we are just taught like, oh, that's bad. I should feel guilty or naughty about eating it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Something I always think is, mm -hmm. you know, we have taste buds, right? So like if yeah. it was only meant to just be, you know, to sustain our energy, it wouldn't really matter what what it was that it tasted. 
like. Um, but you know, yeah, I use food for so many things. I, I internationally travel. That's something that's like super important to my core. And I think about what, you know, I, I'm a survivor of an eating disorder, right? I, I went to eating disorder treatment and it was a, it was a big deal of my life. And, you know, pre that time, I never would have tried new food, right? Like I was always eating the salad. And now that I, you know, healthier and recovered and, you know, I still work on this stuff every single day. I don't, I, I think part of recovery is, is active <laughs> processing almost daily, but, you know, I went to Japan and I ate dumplings without any thought in my mind. I, I really have found that freedom. And yeah, like food is joyous, right? It's like, mm -hmm. it's connection point, it's sharing culture, it's comfort, you know, and to just kind of conceptualize food as how it relates to what my body size looks like really misses quite a lot of the point, I think. Yeah. Oh, yes. 100%. And I just want to say I am so proud of you for choosing recovery because I know it's not an easy journey to go down, but it is one that is truly so, so worth it. And you having those dumplings in Japan is just a great, you know, indication of that. But yeah, you're so right. Like that's, again, I guess a big difference between intuitive eating and the normative nutrition culture, diet culture. It's being co-opted like wellness culture now, whatever we want to call it. Mm -hmm. The big difference there too is with, you know, body size and weight and really with diet culture, that is like the main focus. It's like, what can I do to change my weight often make it smaller, right? I'm always really making it smaller. How can I be the smallest? And that is inevitably just going to get you to a point that's not sustainable. You're not providing your body with enough nutrients. It's, you know, hell on your mind. Like it's just a whole messy, sticky situation that isn't worth it. And really on the flip side, intuitive eating or recovery or however you want to look at that is really letting go of that and knowing, you know what, my body is going to change over the course of my life no matter what I do. <laughs> and it's actually not as within my control as I'm sold to believe, right? Like we're sold to believe by Weight Watchers, mm -hmm. all these different diet like companies out there, Noom, you name yeah. it. There's so many that, oh, if you just do this, then you'll have the body that you want. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work like that. And it sucks that we've all been sold that idea because everyone has that in their mind. And they're like, well, if I can't do that, then there's something wrong with yeah. me. No, there's not something wrong with you, right? Our bodies aren't made to just be whatever we want them to be. Mm -hmm. They have a place where they will feel comfortable, taken care of, and and that's that. And you might not be able to decide what number, weight, size, whatever that is, but really your job when it comes to food freedom is finding a way of eating that makes you feel your best physically, mentally, emotionally, and wherever your body lands in there, it may not be the easiest pill to swallow sometimes, but that's where your body is most taken care of. And this vessel that you're living life through can, you know, adjust and fluctuate as you go through life without you having to make it mean something so deeply about you. And I think a big piece of this is really like detaching that sense of self-worth from our body size, because with diet culture and all these messages of you have to be small and meet this thin ideal or whatever the thoughts are, the beliefs are. We, again, just like with food and what we're eating, if we don't measure up to that, we may feel bad, mm -hmm. right? Shame, guilt, all these things. Yeah. So it's detangling our sense of self-worth and who we are from 
a certain number on a scale or a certain size clothing or whatever that is. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't, can't remember who, where I heard this from. Um, Cause I, I listen to a lot of like body positive podcasts and things like that, but I, something that had stuck with me is I had heard some, you know, some podcasts say that when you're doing this work that you can make space for mourning like the version of yourself you thought you were supposed to be. And I remember that hitting me pretty powerfully, mm-hmm. you know, because I think as empowered as I feel now, right? Like I feel confident, I feel empowered. I think it's so important to talk about the mental space that all of this takes up. Like I was so focused on my food, on my intake, on my outtake that I didn't have time to do a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now, right? Like now I have so much more time on my hands and so much more mental capacity to hold bigger passions and things that actually are way more important to me than my body size. But it did sort of take a minute for me to kind of appreciate that that version of me that went to when I was 13, went to Weight Watchers, you know, that version was doing the best she could, right? And now I know better. And so I'm going to take what I've learned and do better. My favorite quote from Maya Angelou. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the idea that it's okay to be a little sad about that, right? Like part of my healing yeah. is accepting that I'm not size XYZ, right? And I've been conditioned to think that size XYZ is my self-worth. And now I'm abandoning that, right? I don't believe that anymore. But there was sort of a bit of sadness um, in the, like the detachment, like your word, like detaching from that, right? Like how to like wave goodbye to it and be like, peace out. That doesn't help me anymore. But um, and I, I don't know. I thought that that was like a nice framework to kind of embody all of the emotions that might come up, right? Is like the healing part, sure. <laughs> very empowering. It's also hard, right? It also brings up some tougher emotions. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. And that is really like grief, right? Like I describe this to my clients, like it's like we're going through a cycle of grief and we're grieving the version of ourselves that we've been trying to attain for however long, right? Like we've been holding that version of ourselves at size XYZ in our minds for so long that getting to the place where we're detaching from it or letting that go does feel like grief, right? Like we're grieving this version of ourselves, whether we were actually ever there or not, we're grieving the possibility of being back in that place. And that does have a lot of emotions wrapped up into it. And it's a lot of like tending to those emotions, not ignoring them or shoving them down because we know that that's not helpful (laughs) for healing, but it does look a little messy, you know, feeling your feelings and moving through that. But really getting to the other side, it's not perfect. And some of these feelings may still come up from time to time, but that's okay. And I think even for myself and my own journey, I would choose this over being in that restrictive, like shameful, hating myself, really trying to change things all the time and trying to be better and fix myself thinking I was a problem and focusing so much on food and so much on exercise and so much on the number on the scale and all the, all of those things, I would trade feeling a little sad about not having the quote unquote body I thought I might over that any day, oh, any day. Yes. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, something that also helped me is I actually stopped weighing myself. Uh, I, yes. I so good. All my damn scales. 
Um, and to the point where, um, you know, and I didn't know that this was a possibility, so I will share it to anyone who's listening. I don't even let my 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 medical providers weigh me unless there's a direct reason yeah. to do so. Um, and I recently just had a physical where there was a reason to, to weigh me and I asked them to, to not share the number with me. Um, because I really almost, in order for me to detach, it almost has to go for an extreme way, right? Like it's still, though I know that my weight does not equate to my self-worth at all, that that number still triggers me, right? So, you know, part of my self-love is just, you know, I, I tell clients all the time, like, all right, it's not always the umbrella coping skill, but sometimes we can just avoid a trigger, right? <laughs> yeah. And for me, you know, that that number on the scale, it, it boggles my mind. She's like, how, my, my mother's mind. She's like, how much do you weigh? I'm like, couldn't tell you. I haven't weighed myself seven years, right? Because it doesn't matter, right? There's other parameters that I'm going to trust my doctor in and, you know, making sure that I'm healthy, right? Like I have mm-hmm. my, my blood tests, my cholesterol, you know, I have all these wonderful metri- metrics that can give me an indication on like sort of where I'm stacking in health. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's like such an important point too I also don't own a scale we we literally don't have one in the house so far that like we were traveling last year and like how do we weigh our bags like we don't like we literally don't have a scale to do that so yeah like it it is so freeing and I think creating that distance in these different areas that will support you overall is great and such a good point on, you know, asking not to be weighed at the doctor or that if they need to, it's a blind weight, right? Like that's like something you can ask your doctor or nurse or whoever is taking the weight for, like it's a blind weight. And really with that point, I think something that is important to reiterate is like, don't put it on any papers that you're giving me back Mm -hmm. because I see healthcare providers also slipping up in that, which is really unfortunate. But if you're doing that, just remind them, like, don't put it on anything that I can see, please. But if you must just, you can do that, but don't tell me. And that made me think of when you were sharing that this whole concept that goes really hand in hand with intuitive eating is called health at every size. And really that is just meaning that we can be healthy in whatever form that health comes to us at any body size and your body weight, size, shape, whatever is not an indicator of health. It is something that is kind of within those outskirts around us and and that type of stuff. But there are so many other things that are better indicators of health than weight. Mm -hmm. And the BMI is BS. We can throw that in the trash. Um, But really knowing that health is not determined by weight. It's more so the behaviors that we're engaging in and weight is not a behavior, right? That's not something that we can do. You can't just do weight. (laughs) That's not possible. We can do building a healthy relationship with food, right? Like that's something that we can do. There's lots of tangible things we can do about that. But weight is not a behavior. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned the BMI. I was actually at a, a, a gym recently. And that was one of the first things they were doing is like measuring everyone's BMI. And I even said to the the owner of the gym, right, I was like, isn't this been like debunked a bunch of times, right? And I don't, I don't, you'll know, yes. but it's like <laughs> designed having nothing to do with weight with by like the, the sample size was just some dudes, I forget where they were, like, it's, I don't remember, Scotland or Scandinavia or something. And he had no yeah. idea what I was talking about. So obviously this isn't, you know, a very popular sentiment that the BMI is trash. Um, 
Yeah, it was developed by a mathematician <laughs> to like, you know, do like general population census type stuff, not as an indicator of health. So how we got here, I don't know. But <laughs> it is very frustrating that people still focus on it so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. So last little question here that I think is important. So and I think you flirted with a lot of this already, um, but it might just be a little you know, extra punch here. So if someone is hearing you and saying like, okay, I get this. I'm here. I, I'm ready to ditch diet culture. I want to find that food freedom. Where would you suggest they start? Like what's, what's point one? Hmm, yeah, there, you know, I love to describe this journey like a big puzzle mm-hmm. and not just like a regular puzzle, like this, like big complicated jigsaw puzzle that you don't, necessarily have all the pieces yet (laughs) that's what it feels like when we go into a food freedom journey um and there can be maybe i'll share a couple of tips of kind of where to start so first and foremost i think this is something i recommend to anyone but really just getting clear on why food freedom would be so important to you and really setting that foundation of where have I been? How has it not been working for me? If I've maybe been on the diet train or clean eating train or whatever way and I'm looking at food and it's not feeling good, how has that been going for me? Kind of getting like real with yourself and doing a little bit of reflection on that and asking yourself like, what would it actually mean to me if I were able to embody food food freedom in the way that, you know, I want Mm -hmm. to? what would it do for me? Would it free up my brain space? Would it allow me to, you know, go for bigger dreams? Would I be able to spend more time with my loved ones? And maybe I would be able to go out and do things without so much stress or spend time with friends and not have to like double check over the menu and all these things, whatever this is that allows you to show up more fully in your life. What would it mean to you get really clear on that. And I really like to call this your like your why behind food freedom and almost keeping that as a North star. That would be like my first step for anyone because like we've been talking about, this journey is filled with lots of ups and downs along the way. There might be times where you second guess yourself and you're like, well, I this is crazy. It's not working and I'm going back to diets. <laughs> right? Like if that comes up, remind yourself of that why and having that somewhere where you can come back and refer to again and again when things get hard and they're feeling tricky come back and remind yourself of how important this actually is to your life so that you can keep going right so that would be my first and foremost that's a little bit more reflective kind of mindset wise Um, but my second you know first step that's really like a foundational piece to food freedom and really being able to nourish your yourself and your overall well-being in this way is making sure that you're eating enough mm-hmm. like that's period we got to start there if your body is not nourished it's going to be hard to tackle all of the other you know mindset pieces body image pieces things that come along the way because your body needs to be nourished foundationally period so really that looks like. And I mean, being intuitive about it will come later. (laughs) I feel like lots of people think like, oh, intuitive eating, I just eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And it's all like sunshine and roses. And I'm having all of the like fun foods and la 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 la. Not quite right. Like it, it doesn't quite, you know, look like that. And it also doesn't quite feel intuitive in the beginning. 
but really having and making sure you're having, you know, three meals a day, the typical standard we know of, right? Like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and having snacks in between. That is a foundation of eating consistently. If you're someone who has done intermittent fasting or whatever kind of dieting where you're like limiting the amount of calories or points or whatever it is that you've been tracking, really letting go of those pieces and making sure that, yes, I am eating enough where I'm not still hungry after eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like really important to do that and to make sure you're having those foundational meals and snacks every day so that you can maybe get more of those hunger and fullness cues back and be able to start working with your body. But without that foundation of nourishing your body consistently and eating enough, it's going to be really hard to do that. Mm. It's great advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this, like my mind is a bit blown, right? I do a lot of this, this work and this has just been so informative and helpful for me. I think that, you know, this has been a fantastic conversation and for all the listeners out there who want to find you, how can they find you? Where, where are you? Um, Where do you live on the webs? Yeah, absolutely. I've got lots of different places where you can find me depending on what your jam is. Um, I really like to hang out on Instagram. So I'm at the intuitive nutritionist on Instagram. I also have a podcast. It's called intuitively you. So you can check that out as well. It's on all the you know main platforms. And then if you want to, you know, dive into this and have like a little free resource, I've created a free quiz that's really about like, why am I binge eating is the, the name of the quiz. And it's going to give you um, one of three of the main reasons that I see folks struggling with binge eating and the things that I go through with my clients and help them improve. So it'll give you a little like little personal recommendation of where to start based on your quiz result. So that's really fun. And then if you do want to take this, you know, a step further and potentially work with me, I have a program called Embodied Food Freedom. But if that's something you're interested in, feel free to just DM me on Instagram. Instagram, we can have a chat. Or if anyone has any takeaways from today that you want to share with me, I'd love to hear your thoughts from this episode. Um, yeah, and just DM me. That would be the best best place to connect. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, like I said, I think this is just so important. So thank you for doing this work and helping people find that freedom. Thank you very much. Of course. I think it's very important too. And thank you for having me on the podcast and chatting about this topic. Absolutely. Beautiful, uh, beautiful humans. Thank you for listening. And, um, you know, be sure to like and subscribe if you want to hear more. Bye, guys. Bye.